Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, one of um, my favorite episodes of the past was about menstrual synchrony. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that women, when they're in close contact with each other, perhaps in a dorm or perhaps even in a workplace, they all start having their periods at the same time. Yes, this is also known as the McClintic effect. Right. So we explored uh, that phenomenon, which some people think happens and some people think don't. I think we erred on the side of it's a myth when mm-hmm. we did our podcast. Um, but one of the interesting offshoots of the McClintock effect is the study that came out in 2002, which gets picked up, I think, every year or so by uh, by the media, that there might be a link between semen and happiness. Right. This came out in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, and the lead researcher was a guy named Gordon Gallup, a psychology professor at State University of New York in Albany. And Gallup starts thinking about the... McClinic effect and how it doesn't translate to cohabitating lesbian couples. They typically don't tend to sync up their menstruations. Gallup wonders whether or not this has something to do with different pheromones in their sweat Mm -hmm. because people who got into the McClinic effect and it was highly disputed, but people who thought that menstrual synchrony existed attributed it to some kind of pheromone, some kind of chemical compound in women's bodies uh, that was linked to ovulation. So long story short, Gallup starts doing a lot of digging and he studies on, he stumbles on this study about semen. Well, I mean, you got to look at something that cohabitating lesbians don't have that these other women who are syncing up do have. And these other women were in heterosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. So he says, the missing factor here in the cohabitating lesbians relationship is sperm. There must be something in sperm that, uh, and semen that, you know, is, is doing something here. Right. And I think that now would be a good time to differentiate between sperm and semen because right. not to be crude, but semen is not just a big old spoonful of sperm. Uh, it is in actuality, 96% water and only 1% to 5% of the average human ejaculate consists of sperm cells. So what else is in it? Well, we have lots and lots of compounds, including hormones, neurotransmitters, endorphins, and immunosuppressants. It's chock full of good things, Molly. I know. You so you mentioned that it's 96% water, but that other 4% is an insane chemical cocktail. And that 4% is really what Gallup and his fellow researchers start to study to see if there's something about that seminal fluid that can uh, tell us, you know, something about women. And it turns out he thinks his theory, and he says it's just a theory, no need to start acting on this yet is that something in semen makes women happier. And this is all based on Gallup's correlation that he found among semen exposure and reported happiness. And this all goes back to self-reporting, which is one thing that you should keep in mind Mm -hmm. with uh, a potential methodological flaw in the study. But basically, Gallup recruits 293 undergrad 
students, female students. The women answer questions about their sex lives, including the frequency of sex, how long it's been since they've had sex, and what type of birth control that they use. And they also take a test to rate their level of depression, and they also note whether or not they're using condoms, essentially mm-hmm. whether or not uh, ejaculate is getting inside of them. Right. And what he finds is that those women who are having unprotected sex... Now, the major flaw to me is that he doesn't uh, define what a relationship is and who these women are having sex with. So some people will say, if this is a long-term relationship, women might feel differently than if they're just having some one-night stands. But what he finds is that the women who are having unprotected sex are much happier than the women who use condoms when they have sex and the women who abstain from sex altogether. And an article in Scientific American points out that there have been similar anecdotal findings among gay men who have anal intercourse without condoms as well. Right. So Gallup's wondering what is going on here. Well, and there are a lot of mood-enhancing chemicals in semen, such as cortisol, which increases infection, affection, estrone, which elevates mood, prolactin, an antidepressant, oxytocin, which elevates mood and is also released during childbirth and breastfeeding, um, another antidepressant called thyrotropin-releasing hormone, melatonin, which helps you sleep, and even serotonin, which, you know, we all know from even just a cursory knowledge of antidepressants. So basically what he thinks is that since the skin in the vagina is so thin that these chemicals are able to seep into the skin and elevate the mood of women who aren't using condoms. Now, before we go any further, since we are talking all about ejaculate inside of vaginal canals, uh, this is not our advertisement to start Having sex without condoms? No, I would say the one thing that would make me really depressed would be an unexpected baby or a sexually transmitted disease. Exactly. And that, like I said, that's why I brought up the fact that he doesn't define what a relationship is among these women. Perhaps these women are having unprotected sex because they've been monogamous for years with one partner. Um, you know, even though they were undergrads, he doesn't make note whether they're married or not. So it's, it's possible that, you know, the women who aren't having sex are in really different relationships than the women who aren't. And the study also does not take into account what type of birth control mm-hmm. women were taking. So if, you know, someone has an IUD, someone's got taking an oral contraceptive, it could have different hormonal effects. Right. But he does think that this might, it might help you understand perhaps the breakup of a relationship in which you weren't using condoms because he notes that the women who didn't use condoms, the longer they went without uh, contact, such contact with their partner, the more depressed they got. So it kind of feeds into this idea that love, particularly sexual love, might be a drug because the women who weren't getting that regular intake of the chemicals via the semen were showing depressive symptoms. Yeah, essentially they were going into semen withdrawal, <laughs> which sounds crazy. But it might explain why uh, if you are if you exit a relationship where you weren't using condoms, you might be more depressed about the breakup of it. And he posits that those women are more likely to get into a rebound relationship quicker than the women who did use condoms during their relationship. So maybe now we have uh, a point in favor of using condoms. Protect yeah. your heart and your health. Exactly. Use a condom. Exactly. Um, and the Scientific American article you cited, Kristen, like you said, br- brings up this idea of anal sex between gay men, and perhaps it might uh, raise happiness levels. A lot more stuff needs to be done on that, and obviously, again, a huge risk for sexually transmitted disease. But it brings up this really interesting um, anthropological ritual in Papua New Guinea where young boys ingest semen from the older men in the village 
to become more masculine. That's the reason they do it. But perhaps they're thinking if they study the happiness of these boys, that they might be happier as young boys ingesting all the semen than other boys. I mean, it's the way you can take this sort of study result. It kind of boggles the mind, kind of boggles the mind. and also brings up the question, what's a lesbian to do? Yeah. Well, you know, when I was reading all this, I kept wondering if one day we'll see on the marketplace some antidepressant that's marketed as like the semen antidepressant that everyone can take to get the the high. Because, um, you know, if you didn't know about these studies results and you heard that there is a semen antidepressant, I think that you would just gag. But, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a, maybe it's in the future. But also there are plenty of you know, happiness triggers within the act of sex in general. We don't have to have semen involved in our sexual activity in order for us to get some kind of little dopamine or endorphin boost. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the or, an orgasm in and of itself is a powerful painkiller, for instance, thanks to oxytocin. Um, Beverly Whipple, who's a noted sex researcher, has found that when women will masturbate to orgasm, their pain tolerance threshold and pain detection threshold will increase significantly. In other words, it makes us feel real nice. <laughs> and there's no one else in the room, you yeah. know, well, except for in that case, maybe a researcher, a, a lab worker, <laughs> you and your sex diary that you're going to turn over to the to the researcher. Yeah. And, you know, some of these studies, like we've said, this was a correlation that Gallup found. And a lot of these studies about the link between sex and happiness and these studies that say something like, you know, sex makes you more happy than a raise uh, from your job. We don't know if it's just happier people who are the kinds that tend to have more sex or if you know, if, if it's correlation or causation. But I, I will say, whether it's correlation or causation, uh, Dartmouth economists have put a pretty high price on a healthy sex life. They uh, equated it to the amount of happiness generated by getting an additional $50,000 in income. So that's a staggering, staggering price on a sex life. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the, the big takeaway is while this is all interesting, um, that semen has all this perhaps medicinal, uh, antidepressant qualities. It's like we said, non-advertisement to engage in unprotected sex. In fact, if you are trying to avoid pregnancy, one more thing that is in semen, uh, follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And these are the hormones that spur ovulation in a woman. Mm-hmm. And what Scientific American posits is that uh, these female hormones are in semen because when the male has sex with the woman, evolutionarily speaking, he needs to make sure that it's productive in terms of having a child. So he releases these hormones to increase the chances that she will have a child and to up the chances that he will father a child and continue his line. So unprotected sex not only leads to babies just because the sem- the sperm can get through, but because the semen is actively encouraging your egg to come meet with the sperm. And some people have an allergy to semen. That's true. This does exist. It's pretty rare, uh, but uh, you might actually develop over time an allergy to your partner's semen. Um, so just another thing to pay attention to. And scientists have also found a link between semen and uterine cancer. So it's a mixed bag. Right now, <laughs> it seems like what gets highlighted in the media every time this story gets rehashed is, oh my gosh, semen, it makes us so happy. But we do have these smaller studies out here that are saying, you know what, it's not 
It's not all great. But this is all a mixed bag of correlations, too. Even right. the stuff between sex making you happier, semen causing cancer, all this stuff. It, nothing is definitive. As Gordon Gallup, the semen makes you happier study author himself said, the data are merely suggestive. And it also makes for great, uh, great party talk. <laughs> I know. Your next cocktail conversation yeah. right here. There you go. You're welcome <laughs> in advance. And we're not responsible if you lose friends as a result of talking about semen at parties. But, but it is something interesting to think about and also interesting to think about all of the, the, as Salon calls it, the rich chemical brine that is semen. And again, not just sperm. Right? Semen, not just sperm. Yeah. Is that a t-shirt waiting to happen, do you think? Uh, not one that I will wear, but, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe one day when it becomes an antidepressant ingredient. Anyway, I should stop talking and perhaps read some listener mail, Kristen. I have one here from Erin, and it's about an older podcast on debutantes. And she writes, as a former Deb, I was really thankful that you tried to dispel the myth about the Deb attitude and persona. While my mother had not been a Deb before me, my older sister was, which was how I came to be invited even though I was not 100% excited about being a debutante, I did it because the money that my family spent and that the organiza- organization raised went to a good cause, namely the local children's hospital. I know it's been around a year and a half since the episode aired, but I do want to put in my two cents about the modern pers- purpose of the ball. When I was going through the ball preparation parties during my freshman year of college, one of the points that was con- constantly made clear to us girls was that the ball was a celebration of our achievements and not a marriage mark. Also, that this is this was a celebration of our escorts' achievements. So the ball was not just for the girls' families, but also for the boys. It was because of this that we had to choose an escort who had graduated high school in our year or ahead of us. So thank you for that perspective, Erin. I've got an email here from Josh, and this is in response to our episode on catcalling. And he writes, I am a man and I get catcalled. I walk most places on foot and I probably don't get as many catcalls as a pretty young lady, but I just want to point out that it happens the other way too. I hear it from women as much as men. I just got a catcall today from a couple young ladies, which along with your podcast that I just heard inspired me to write this message to you. As for how it makes me feel, there's a range of emotions for men too. Is it scary? About as much as someone honking their horn, maybe a little bit more. Anytime someone is paying attention to you as a pedestrian, you instinctively go on guard. It's also a little bit flattering, and I find it doesn't matter the appearance or gender of the catcall. I've never actually catcalled anyone myself. I find it perfectly understandable why men catcall, though, since I felt the urge to. When you see an attractive person on the street, sometimes it stirs up emotions, and catcalling is just a way to express that. Well, if you have an email to send our way, our address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or to get in touch with us even faster, you can head over to Facebook and Twitter. Follow us there at momstuffpodcast. And during the week, you can read our blog at Stuff Mom Never Told You. And if you want to learn more about the topic of happiness unrelated to semen, because there is plenty more out there that can make you happy, like this podcast, I suggest heading over to a library worth of articles at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?